This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable. Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. How embarrassing was that yesterday for every Arsenal fan, long-suffering Arsenal fan, when it comes to the transfer windows, to find out that yet again, a main target of Arsenal has been stolen away by another club. We've been gazumped yet again. The more embarrassing thing about this one is that it's not Man United. It's not Chelsea, Moneybags, Man City. It's Aston Villa. Yes, Villa. They just blew us out of the water. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of My Old Man Said, which apparently is in its 10th year now. Joining me for what we are calling episode 150 is Mr. Chris Budd and Mr. Phil Shaw. Welcome back. Hello, mate. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Oh, hello, hello, hello. hello. <laughs> we we did have Mr. Dan Rogers on for, uh, uh, we we did some recording. Uh, a mammoth session. The <laughs> night before a mammoth session of about four hours, which will all appear as shows for My Old Man Said patrons. But yeah, we had him on. We were going to uh, do this show then, but uh, unfortunately he couldn't make it tonight. So we are the normal three Looking back at, well, not looking back, more so looking ahead to uh, where the season of 2020 stroke 21 has left us and uh, what's the next steps in the uh, NSWE Villa revolution. Also, we'll have uh, Villa news and the three points. We'll we'll skip the overrated and underrated for this show because we did record a uh, almost like a two-hour underrated and overrated of the Villa squad for the season just gone, which uh, will be a four-part Mom's Patreon extra delight. So uh, you have that to uh, look forward to. Before we get on, just... uh With the Euros coming up, uh, we will be uh, doing a a competition on social media for uh, an England shirt of your choice. So you can have Jack Grealish number seven on it or Mings number 15 on it. Home or away, whatever fit that you want, Vapor or Stadium. So do follow uh, the podcast on 
Twitter at my old man said all one word and uh, then you'll be able to keep tracks of when the uh, competition pops up uh, in the week leading up to the euros uh normally uh i i say no to sponsorships just because we don't want to humiliate ourselves uh talking about uh shaving our balls and uh trashy little apps and <laughs> yeah. things so we, we we kind of uh give them a, a, a wide berth but uh with the euros coming up uh one of our old sponsors beer 52 one of our former sponsors and maybe some uh, new listeners who haven't actually taken up uh, on their offer so uh if you like the sound of a free box of beer and uh we like to reward you as a listener of my old man said so uh thanks to our friends at beer52.com stroke moms that's the uh the the address i'll put it in the the uh the show notes but it's uh, beer52.com dash moms m-o-m-s and if you uh basically order the free box there all you have to do is cover the five pound 95 charge for postage and that will get you eight beers beer 52 are beer pioneers they traverse the globe to find the best and most interesting beer from uh, the greatest small batch breweries around uh, planet earth and uh, they also have the world's most popular craft beer discovery club i mean we, we've all had boxes in our time and uh, it's some of the beers are, are great actually i mean the, the eight that you get to really good taste is like the theme boxes aren't they they're really good i got my mm-hmm. dad one for christmas like with some really weird and wacky stuff it was good yeah but not like silly that you don't drink it kind of no, stuff no, no, it's, it's like just interesting some, interesting yeah. stuff no one percenters or anything like that it's yeah it's essentially a club i mean you can uh just take advantage of the offer i mean they don't lock you in or anything you but you know basically leave at any time and as soon as you order it i think if you order it earlier in the day it should arrive for next day delivery there's normally a theme so uh, you know themes they've already had it like germany korea norway south africa california finland and uh, that's kind of the interesting thing i mean and also uh, a lot of uk uh, independent companies as well but definitely worth i mean for six pound for eight beers and uh, the reason why uh, i'm mentioning it here is we're going into the euros and you need to uh, stock up your fridge so this is a uh, a nice little bonus for you oh you also get a little magazine and a cheeky little snack thrown in as well so uh, do check out beer52.com slash moms and uh, order it from there thank you very much right uh, let's get into the villain news well first of all headlining top lining the villain news has to be the signing of mr buendia Winder opened June 9th, I think officially is the time. We'd already really, the club had actually announced it before the Winder. They'd confirmed yeah, that it was, it was a good done deal. Was, yeah. And then two days uh, after the Winder, they put up the proper uh, confirmation. We'll talk a little bit more about him later on in the show, but uh, we'll, we'll reserve talking about how he fits in uh, into you know, in terms of future podcasts, because uh, if there's new bodies coming in also, uh, that will alter the shape and look of Villa and uh, where Buendia fits in. Funny thing is, you get people moaning about the, the low-keyness of the announcement. That, that made me laugh. He's not even in the country. Is that it? <laughs> He's not He's even bloody, on our continent. As the Villa first initial uh, 
confirmation stated he's in a biosecure bubble, which basically meant what they were trying to say was nobody's allowed in or out, i.e. we can't get photos, etc., etc., like official stuff. It's there. He's there for Argentinian business, uh, national team business. And they're, oh, can we just uh, borrow him for half an hour and take some pictures for Villa? It's, you know, it's not going to happen. Everybody wants fancy videos now and... Uh, or funny ones. Funny, but it's just like, just doesn't matter. I don't give a fuck. Just as long as he's signed, he's signed. Let's crack on. Yeah, and let him enjoy his international break. Then go and have a holiday, and we'll speak to you in a couple of weeks. Yeah, the players won't be back for like, you know first uh, for preseason training for a few, you know what, three weeks. Unfortunately, Ollie Watkins didn't make it. I didn't quite expect him to, but we do have two representatives in the England squad. Messrs. Jack Grealish and Tyron Mings and uh, Big John McGinn for Scotland. I think that's it, isn't it? El Ghazi didn't quite make the cut for Holland. No, he got dropped live in an interview, didn't he? I don't know if you saw the video of that. Oh, yeah, where he got text. (laughs) Yeah, he got text in the middle of a TV interview. (laughs) Yeah, I think he wouldn't have probably expected to make the final cut on that one. Uh, I mean, it's a nice bonus and it gives him something to uh, work to. uh, Yeah. Okay. And motivate him. Uh, I mean, it works out quite nicely for Villa, actually, because he's he's got a sniff of it and he's now seen the possibilities of what could happen. Same with Watkins. And Watkins, you get the feeling that uh, if Villa can sort out that midfield, Watkins will, will only flourish. But we'll we'll talk about that in the, uh, the main bit of the show. Also, Martinez uh, actually played his first game for Argentina. Who did they play? It was one all, wasn't it? Yeah, it was Chile. One all draw against Chile. So he's managed to crack into that international team. He also picked up supporters player of the season in the uh, end of season awards. Target was uh, the player's player of the year. Al Ghazi versus Palace was the goal of the season. And I think that essentially, I think is it Grealish is also in uh, the Premier League player of the season nominations as well. Yeah. So uh, that's pretty much capped off last season. Uh, Christian Perslow, the Villa CEO, has, uh, did an interview which you've probably all seen and uh, continuous improvement is very much the buzzword. Uh, regrets about the second half of the season as we've uh, basically said. I said mean, on a weekly basis, haven't we, pretty much? Yeah, I mean, it's you, you've got to be in denial if, if you don't uh, have any regret about what could have been in the second half of the season. So it's good to see that they're not... Uh, putting on a brave face or, you know, just kind of glossing over it. They, they are realists and that's uh, it's good news going forward. Season ticket renewals are up. Uh, I mean, you don't have to rush to do it. You've got until the end of the month. Uh, am I right? Yes, yes. And uh, the waiting list is getting bigger. It's uh, 9,000 and they're, as- oh, eight, 9, and they're asking for more people if they want to be on it. So... Uh, so different world of Villa now. The Villa verse has completely changed because that was one of the good reasons to support Villa. Obviously, you can always pick up a ticket, no problem. Well, you could always generally turn up on the day back in the championship. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, my first games, like as a kid, you just you just turn up, you get dropped off. Pat on the gate. You just run through the turnstiles and that's it. And uh, it just it just things in life in general always get more complicated, don't you? Because people are stupid and they ruin it for you. So more regulations have to come in. You always have to jump through more hoops, but uh, hey-ho. Neil Taylor, Elmo and Heaton all leave the club, as everybody knows. We've also got a load of players that went out on loan, which, you know, that gives you a clue to whether where their futures are. So Kalinic, Samata, Horahan, they're all uh, yesterday's news as well. Right, let's move on to... uh, the three points off the field. Uh, finally, the uh, Football Sports Association have uh, 
I mean, I mean, I have, you know, obviously I have an inside track on this, but uh, the main reason was the COVID break. We were just about to put a, like a working group together and also get a f- supporter survey out to uh, underline supporters' views uh, about VAR and VAR's effects because, you know, some of the things we've seen this season, I'm sure most people who agree are just, it's just getting to a bonkers uh, it's, it's scenario week- now. Yeah, it's farcical on a weekly basis. Yeah, and it's not you know it's not VAR the technology; it's the application and the interpretation of the rules and the transparency. It's just like how, how can you get it wrong? How can you fuck it up so badly? Yeah, so we're probably going to probably going to see the Euros how it's going to be implemented better. Yeah, that'll be interesting. It, it was in the World Cup. Yeah, and it was. Yeah. It wasn't too bad. Obviously, it was the first time, and so you got to get used to it. But on the whole, it was. I don't remember waiting around for like quarter of an hour for a decision, and. Uh, you know, you just assume that what was going to happen in the in the Premier League, but what we've seen is just above and beyond uh, annoying. Uh, I mean, the headline uh, stats from the survey was uh, I think four out of ten supporters said that it's it would put them off seeing as many games which uh, i can kind of see that if, it, if it, i mean if we had another season let's say two more seasons of what we've just experienced it would put you off uh, it would start to it would be a slow burn thing i think and it said only 26 percent of the people polled said they supported the use of var i mean i i'm for VAR as a concept because you've got to have accountability for some, you know, some of the uh, poor decisions to make sure there is justice on the pitch. And, you know, many even, you know, tournaments have been won by teams that uh, got away with murder. And also with the amount of money, you know, millions and millions of pounds swilling around to leave the fate of that just on one man in the middle, the referee, is, you know, you're just opening up to corruption, the potential of corruption. So one idea is if, if VAR creates, uh, if it's applied well, then it should be a safeguard against corruption as well. But it's all about the, the application and that needs to be ironed out. And we've spoken about this a lot, as as a lot of people have. But, you know, behind the scenes, I've got the I proposed uh, the annual general meeting for the Football Sports Association to have regular communication with uh, PGMOL and I've, I've attended two Zoom meetings with them already and it's just to get supporter insights and frustrations across to them directly so they're not just reading social media and uh, second guessing you know we have a direct input and the Premier League with players and managers are actually having uh, you know they're doing a report on this so this supporter survey will also feed into that and hopefully uh, by the time we kick off the next domestic season uh, some of our frustrations will be ironed out. Meanwhile as I'm still on point one here repercussions of uh, the Super League protests. Uh, Joel Glazier, the Man- Manchester United co-chairman, actually turned up at a, you know made a fans forum appearance, first ever in fifteen years of owning the club, which is really symbolic in the in the sh- shift. I mean, they admitted uh, back in May that they needed to uh, reappraise how they uh, communicated with their supporters. So uh, you've got to hear it from the horse's mouth. I mean, that's the bottom line. Yeah, it was like when, whenever Lerner was in charge of Villa. I mean. What was once a season you might have got it, once every other season you might have got the actual words from him. Yeah, exactly. And sometimes it was just cryptic statements. I mean, that was the good sign. Part of it is a PR exercise. But when the new owners came to town, the first thing that happened was I got a letter, personal letter from them as a member of the fan consultation group 
inviting us to meet them. And this was like uh, within within well, I think twenty four hours of them being announced or something. And so we met them straight away, and you could have a you know proper chat with them and uh, get a kind of feel for for what they you know what they were all about. And I mean, I've spoken about this before, but you, I got the feeling just you know when I was asking them why Villa and not. Uh, into Miami, for example, because that's one of the teams that uh, Wes Edens was uh, in negotiations with. You know, David Beckham's franchise. He was all about the. There was no ceiling to an English club. The Champions League was very much there. MLS, you kind of restricted a little bit. So that's you know that gave you an indication straight away they're not coming here just as a vanity project or something. They wanted to uh, have success here, and they saw. Aston Villa being able to provide the foundations to have a real crack at that uh, top top you know five or six teams and get amongst it. We ha- we haven't seen them since though, <laughs> <laughs> but but still at least you know Christian Perslow their their rep so to speak uh, is on the front line and, and you know grants two uh, two fan consultation group meetings a year, which is. Uh, you know, which is fair enough, but some clubs haven't had that over the last few years. Haven't had anything uh, proper like that, and now clubs are getting uh, supporter uh, reps on the board. I mean, that's a whole other conversation. And if you've got a uh, a strong and constructive, you know, fan consultation group or some kind of forum like that, then perhaps you don't really need it. Anyway, but at least I mean, on that level of Manchester United, it's, it's progress for them, I suppose. Meanwhile, in Brazil, chaos. Chaos everywhere. Will everybody in Brazil's wondering? Will Douglas Luiz stay at Villa or will he go to Manchester City? <laughs> actually, actually, that's the that's the uh, that's the least of their problems. Uh, first of all, um, let's start with the uh, the misdemeanors of the president of the uh, Brazilian Football uh, Federation, Rogério Caboclo has been uh, formally accused of uh, sexual harassment by an employee of uh, the federation. And the complaint has been officially uh, filed by the uh, the Federation's Ethics Commission. And uh, some of the details that have come out from you know, ex- extremely uh, kind of disturbing episodes of being asked to wank. And then uh, the stories of this chap forcing her to eat a dog biscuit while calling her a bitch. And... You know, of a, of a, she's basically detailed his her all his practices like hiding drinks in various places so he could drink, you know, all through the day while working. But he doesn't sound like uh, he's going to be in a job uh, much longer. Meanwhile, uh, the players aren't happy with him anyway. Brazilian football players uh, aren't exactly happy with him and have decided not to play in Copa America, which is being hosted in Brazil. And uh, this is a protest against the handling of the pandemic. Is this actually happening? Are they... uh yeah, I mean, uh, there, there's negotiations at the moment there, so it could all be resolved, but that's their stance at the moment. And they're not happy with uh, Mr. Sexual Deviant either and have said that he's been insensitive uh, to the, the, the crisis that's happening uh, and the half a million deaths that Brazil have experienced due to the uh, the COVID pandemic. Yeah, they're basically saying that they could they could skip a year. They don't need to do the Copa America this year because it's the, the fourth one it would be in the last six years. So, I mean, they've had enough in the last six years. They could, they could miss a year easily. Yeah. They probably all just want to stay in Europe at their clubs as well. 
And the players have actually asked for a meeting with uh, President uh, Kabaklo and, uh, well, whether he's in a job or not uh, after this sexual harassment uh, case uh, is a, is uh, another matter and we'll, uh, you know, see what happens there. Meanwhile, uh, this, this is his second appearance in the three points. Ed Sheeran is, is back. Ed Sheeran is back. The first time he, he, uh, he announced his uh, sponsorship of Ipswich for next season. Now he's doing a live concert from Portland. Portman Road for the Euros streamed on his TikTok. That's that's big for TikTok, isn't it? To, yeah, it's uh, huge. And uh, they put out an ad recently. Uh, I think I saw it on the Ipswich uh, Twitter feed where David Beckham actually introduces him and sends him a, a packet because he thinks that Ed Sheeran's going to be playing at Portman Road, but uh, playing not football. Got his playing mixed up, but he pulls out. Um, Ed Sheeran pulls out of the box the number seven shirt with David Beckham's name on him. And, you know, that's old news, mate. The, the number seven shirt now belongs to Mr. Jack Grealish. There's a new owner of the crown, Dave. Yeah, there's a new there's a new owner in town. <laughs> and his name is Jack. But uh, I'm sure uh, Phil Shaw will be uh, eagerly anticipating Ed Sheeran's TikTok uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> concert <laughs> and extravaganza funny enough uh this podcast obviously goes out on spotify and one of the things that spotify do in the uh the analytics is show you who your listeners mainly listen to and i'm trying to remember off the top of my head i mean i've only checked it i don't know like three times in the last five years or whatever but it's i think it was like ed sheeran Beatles, Me. Chris Bird, <laughs> <laughs> Arctic Monkeys, and Oasis or something. I was, I was happy the Beatles was in there at least, but I was like, Ed Sheeran, I was like, oh shit, I think we need to start a new podcast. <laughs> Come at it from a different angle. Sorry, apologies for any uh, Ed Sheeran fans out there, but at least we feature him in the three points. Right, let's uh, get into uh, the main bit of the show, which uh, is kind of loose, loosey-goosey. We're just looking back at uh, what... The season that's just gone means for Villa going forward. Before we start, just some little video thing that I uh, that I saw on social media. The unofficial Premier League champions. I don't know if anybody saw this, but uh, the premise was before the Premier League started, the last winners of the old uh, first division was Leeds. So when the Premier League starts Leeds are let's say the retaining unofficial league uh, champions so that the, what what this proposes is whoever beats them becomes the new Premier League champions and then whoever beats them becomes the new Premier League champions and it's like you just carry on it's like an unofficial it's like a linear champion so you start off with Leeds because they were you know the the, the last first division champions so I think Leeds got beat by Middlesbrough 4-1 like at the start of the season so for example Middlesbrough are then carrying the baton until they get beat and then whoever beats them takes it over so this has gone on for how many premier league seasons have we had you know 25 26 27 28 20 about 26 27 we're we're heading towards 30 aren't we 30 years somebody's actually worked this out over like you know 27 seasons or whatever it is and sometimes that team for example i think sheffield wednesday were in the relegation spots and they beat whoever the uh, whoever was holding the baton at the time i think it's liverpool or something while they were in the relegation spot and they got relegated i think it was on the last day they won so they took the unofficial premier league champions crown down into the championship 
So you've got to wait for somebody to actually end up on the season in the championship as the holder of the crown and hope that they get promoted to bring the unofficial Premier League champions back into the Premier League. And this is, I think, over those 27, 28-odd seasons it's happened, it's gone down to the championship twice. I think Newcastle once dragged it down when they beat somebody uh, on the last day of the season and Sheffield Wednesday have done it. Anyway, fast forward to the last day of the season, of the season just gone, twenty. 21 and Chelsea were the reigning unofficial Premier League champions like the linear linear champions and you know who beat them on the last day and you know now who is the unofficial Premier League champions it needs a new title I think but I quite like the concept it's something to follow for sure nice bit of counterculture yeah, it's something to keep uh, an eye on, and maybe we will in this podcast uh, just yeah. see who's uh, carrying on the flame because we begin the season as the champions, and uh, you know, Could hopefully we hopefully yeah. we go thirty eight games unbeaten and uh, and win both Premier Leagues. <laughs> And win both of them exactly. Yeah. It could do with some sort of um, trophy, like uh, sort of a shield, maybe like a, a, a massive ceremonial you shield. Love of some shields, sort. don't you? Yeah, he <laughs> does, doesn't he? But yeah, they should make a thing of it actually, because it starts off the season. Uh, it adds because we, we we're losing that competitive uh, element to uh, as you know the sporting element to football. It's all about business, and if you're not trying to win the league, you're just surviving in the Premier League, aren't you? Yeah, well, it's kind of like what what are you here for? I mean, the fact that this has gone down to the the Championship twice and then you got that kind of stigma will it actually return to the the premier league is is another angle is uh, it's kind of quite interesting so maybe we'll we will actually make this a thing ourselves we keep tweeting about it we will uh we'll turn it into a zeitgeist and then we can have the be- unofficial premier league stats as well yeah but then it will become the uh it'll become a real thing but anyway we are the champions Right, what should we talk about? Just the, I mean, the fallout of the uh, the Chelsea game. If we just pick up from there, uh, Dean Smith said it was an ideal way to end the season. We came up against a very good team, and uh, everybody gave everything for the shirt. He was disappointed that we didn't get the record of clean sheets for Martinez. And he said, we all have injuries. We lost Jack Grealish and we had to deal with it. I had an expected goals table of finishing ninth and we were we are thereabouts. That's a Bruceism, isn't it? There or thereabouts. There or thereabouts. Yeah, and we're not. We're 11th. Yeah, but the, the main thing is there. It's like top half, bottom half, and we were bottom half. It's, it's that kind of distinction. Our target is to progress again and we have the players here more than capable of competing with the best teams in the league i agree with that when grealish comes yeah. out of the team we have to be more creative yes yes uh i mean before we start talking about uh, the head i mean let's just look at uh, some of the main uh, points we, we did go through in order of the 24 players that actually played for villa uh, last season, uh, we get you know we gave everybody over, under, underrated and overrated ratings of their season. We we gave key stats, but we also just for fun suggested if we had to get offload them in the summer, which team would these players end up at? And we went through the whole twenty four players of Aston Villa, active players, even you know John McGinn, Jack Grealish. We 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 tell you where they'd end up if we had to get rid of them this summer. But looking at uh, just looking at the uh, the table of how many minutes were played, there was only one player that played every minute, and uh, that was Martinez. Matt Target was the also the other player that played the full, started the full thirty eight league games, and then Watkins and McGinn. I think they only missed out because of suspensions, didn't they? Yeah, they both played thirty seven. 
I think Ming's, uh, there's somebody that when we actually bored him, one of our concerns was his previous injury record, but he seems to uh, not have a problem at all uh, in terms of injuries. I mean, you're getting 36 games out of him, you know, that's that's fair enough. And he missed the game at the end uh, against Palace, obviously, uh, just from an injury. But this is somebody you can kind of rely on now in terms of uh, his... Uh, fitness the main problem is the fitness of mr grealish because this is the fourth season out of the last five where he's finished up playing about 65 percent of the actual games the first season back in the premier league he did 36 out of 38 but that is a bit of a concern and i think that puts the big clubs off dropping silly money on a player they'll definitely want to see him another season you know you want to see, if he if he lights up the euros if he gets the game time then i'm sure pretty much every team will just want to see him if they're really interested in there's not that many teams that can afford him or would it's only the, two teams aren't there really in, in this country yeah that would take the punt on it but i think you you would if it was alex ferguson for example and i always use this example when uh, manchester united are always uh, tipped after Villa players. He always wanted to see them have a good season with Villa. He'd be cherry picking our best players when we were actually doing well, because he wanted to see them actually, you know, be game changing to a team. Well, you look at when he bought York, you know, he'd had three consistently brilliant seasons at Villa. You look at when he bought Ashley Young, he'd probably had about the same, hadn't he? Yeah. You know, they, these were guys were as close as bankers as you're going to get in at Premier League level. And then they stepped up and they, they managed to, well, York managed to do it in the Champions League as well, but you know, they were consistent performers. At the moment, really, she's not a banker for that for that value in terms of fitness. And also, at the moment, you know, he's, you, you look at the stats and you go, yeah, he's a big influence on the team, but we're, this is a team that's not doing anything, isn't it? This is a team that it hasn't been inspired to be top six or top four or winning mm-hmm. cup finals. It's just somebody who's like, you know, bottom half team still. So if Ferguson was in charge of United, for example, I think he would want to see Grealish make that difference actually takes Villa to another level. And uh, it's hard for him, It's you know, in Grealish's defence, it's hard for him to do that while he's only playing two thirds of the games because... Mm-hmm. If he finished the season scoring in double figures, that's where you're thinking, hey, he's got end product there, like officially got end yeah, product. Yeah, well, but he was, was well on track, wasn't he? I think it was just obviously his, you know, the season ended yeah. for him. When, I mean, actually, you look at where his stats were for the amount of games he played, and you thought, Jesus Christ, if he carried that on his stats, yeah. his stats would have been mental. He'd have been top of quite a few lists. But Yeah, we're talking like proper, you know, proper, proper stats, the traditional yeah, yeah. ones like goals. <laughs> and yeah, goals, assists, <laughs> you know, the expected goals is the new one, but it, it is a judge. And um, I mean, you know, I don't judge him on the amount of fouls he gets as much as it can be useful in certain you know in terms of winning free kicks yeah that, you know, uh, especially at a club that doesn't waste free kicks like Villa yeah but a lot of these fouls they're not on around the edge of the box and we don't have somebody who actually steps up to take these free kicks no. and this is the thing I mean the only frustration with Grealish is I would expect somebody who has that ability to be stepping up to take the penalties to be stepping up to take the free kicks to be uh you know you saw it in the england game against austria where where he, where he gets through and let's talk about him as like one of the best players would one of the best players lay it off to kane in that position or would he have had a shot himself yeah he, he defers at the minute the 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 players like Harry Kane. Yeah. I mean, I'm just to go back to Ferguson. If, if Ferguson was still United and, and had his transfer award chest, the only player he'd be buying this summer is Harry Kane. He buy he'd be buying finished articles, yeah. or probably Sancho, or maybe both. And he'd buy them as long term signings. You know, he used to buy people and say, "Well, hundred million, it pays itself off. It's ten million a season over a decade." 
That's yeah. kind of how he used to equate his signings, didn't he? But you know, in the under underrated or overrated uh, for the moment, so patrons, I did you know I did uh, reference uh, David Platt as I have done uh, a few times, and he was top of the world in 1990. What he did in the World Cup that just took him onto another level. And Villa got another season out of him, and it was Villa that flunked out in that season. And mm-hmm. then Platt thought, right, yeah, fuck this. And that is when Grealish leaves Aston Villa. If he has, you know, gets game time, comes to prominence for England, gets all the headlines, backs up all the hype, and then he'll play for Villa next season. And then if Villa don't kick on, then he's thinking, eh. But if Villa are getting in, challenging for Europe, have taken a few big scalps, having good cup runs, and he's thinking, right, yeah, come on then, get some other couple of players, and then we'll really kick on next season. If he sees Villa as an opportunity to win things, then he he will stay. But he stays next season, I think, regardless of uh, what happens. agreed. Agreed. Just because of the way the market, I think even yeah, just because uh, of external yeah. factors, regardless of what, I think he's, he's more than capable of stepping into any of those sides. But in, just in terms of the economics of, well, the world at the moment, and especially the world of football, there's only two clubs in England who could afford him. The other clubs on the continent who you think, well, they're big enough to spend that kind of money. They don't have it. Everybody's in debt. If anything, yeah. at the moment, Villa are, are in a cash-rich environment because we've kind of got that sugar daddy owner at the moment. Like they're the third richest owners in British football at the moment. So we're... This is a real window of opportunity for Villa, like last season, this season, and you know, moving forward. And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! Look, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely, and control vehicle at all times. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah, and that, I mean, that's the funny thing going back to Platt was after that World Cup, you'd have think any, he had pretty much any club who wanted him. Uh, he had the, the world was his oyster. Then went to Bari, didn't he? Well, he still stayed at Villa for a season. This is the thing. Because Villa, you know, we, we, we were doing, doing stuff, but then... Uh, that was the you know that was the problem Taylor leaving and it all yeah. it all came crashing down so quickly yeah, when it was stopped such a great time to be a Villa fan at that point because you just you were full of optimism and Platt was the reason for that and Graham Taylor was the reason for that but as soon as they were taken off it was like the head of our uh, ambition was just just went and it took us a bit to uh, well we needed old uh, Ron Atkinson to come along and save the day mm-hmm. and actually Platt's 
sale went a long way in helping uh, Big Ron he rebuilt the team with that money. Rebuilt didn't he? the team, yeah, exactly. Didn't he about ten players he brought. He got rid of ten and brought in about yeah. the same, didn't he? <laughs> Wheeling and, and, Wheeling Ak- and Dealing and Rich. He brought in Richardson, Atkinson, yeah. and Hugo, all them boys, didn't he? Right. Anyway, but uh, but yeah, the the Grealish situation. I think uh, I think we can enjoy the Euros. Yeah, you can be relaxed this summer. It's probably the first summer in a long time, isn't it? I think we've been as a club and a team on a relatively even keel because the previous sort of three seasons we haven't known what bloody division we're going to be. Yeah, they've actually, and in terms of behind the scenes, I think that's a positive thing, at a sort of executive level and recruitment wise, because of course they've known since probably Christmas time that they weren't going to go down. Yeah, I think most of our measured fan base sort of to hear Dean Smith and Perslow and some of the players talk, and I think most people are in agreement. It's like the narrative of the whole season is huge amount, huge amount of progress, lots of positives, but with the caveat of a missed opportunity. But that doesn't mean it's a bad season. It just means that actually it could have been so much more. Could slash maybe should. Yeah, mm-hmm. ultimately, you know, you finish eighth, you finish eleventh, you finish twelfth. Doesn't really matter. It's uh, it's the bigger picture. Is, is have you got a team that's uh, getting together? Yes. Have you got a lot of young players that have got another season under their belts? Yeah, and we be, were they'd all improve, won't they? You would have we thought. were after Fulham, the second youngest bridge starting eleven. We were up first youngest, but then uh, I don't know. Fulham probably started fielding under under twelves when they once they were relegated. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and didn't we have one of the highest points tallies for a bottom half side? Like any normal season, you yeah. probably got close to Europe. I think mainly because the bottom three was so bad. I remember predicting in about September October time that thirty points might keep you up this year, wasn't it? I think it was twenty nine points would have kept you in the division, which is just yeah. Shows how shocking that bottom three were because they were cut adrift after about five or six games, weren't they? Yeah, it was a bit of a non-event, the whole relegation battle. They just wagged their tail for a few weeks in sort of March and April, but then faded. Uh, looking looking at this, the minutes thing, I mean, the, just the ones that kind of stand out. Keenan Davis only started one game. Yeah, I think that speaks for how consistent Watkins has been in terms of his fitness. And, you know, I mean, it was even unlucky with his, you know, suspension, wasn't he, really? He should have, yeah. he should have played more. But also it shows you, well, well A... He's not, tr- he's not trusted. He's not that trusted. I mean, he came off the bench 14 times, but I think out of those 14 times, you could probably, you know, just throwing a number out there, 12 of those would probably, if Smith trusted him from training or whatever, he would have yeah. come on a bit earlier. Yeah, there were probably, a lot of those would have been like 10 minutes Yeah, and too little, too late kind of. uh, But it's just that lack of predatory instinct because, you know, there's games where you know that when you need to, you should have a position where you've got people on the bench when you're chasing the game or, you know, it's a draw and you want to chase it to actually win it, then you bring a certain player on because you know you've got a chance, but you bring him on and as a supporter, you're like, you know. I mean, that was a huge, a huge sort of factor, wasn't it, in terms of how far we've got to make up when we played in the Chelsea game. You know, it was, as, as Smith said, and we all agreed on the, the, the post-match pod we did at the time, and a brilliant way to end the season with the Spurs win and the, the Chelsea win and even the Youth Cup thing. You can throw that in as a really positive week for Villa. But you saw in that game, Chelsea made three changes, didn't they? They brought, I think it was a £70 million goalkeeper and two £50 million attackers off the bench. Yeah, crazy. Best part of £170 million off the bench. And Villa brought... A couple of kids, and I know it's you know it's not you're not competing with them at that level, but you sh- it shows the the difference in depth between maybe Man City, Chelsea. Then there's maybe a little gap, and there's Man United, and then everyone else. And that's what ultimately you can hold responsible uh, yeah. for our decline in the second half of the season. Because first problem we had was the Barkley in- injury after it was going well for him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That just messed up everything. The COVID thing. I'm not even going to throw that in because Smith. Smith- 
he's a, Smith sort of battered it off, didn't he, quite quickly? Yeah, and he said, you know, when they, at that first game back against Manchester City, the, all the stats, all the running levels, all that kind of stuff were right up there. So there was no real uh, effects of that. So so the next thing, obviously, was the Grealish injury. And uh, that's when your depth of squad, you need the level that, uh, yeah, okay, you might not be able to replace Grealish... Uh, man for man but you can bring in somebody with decent enough quality that uh, Aston Villa is still a very good team and you know the same with the Barkley situation that's what we don't really have at the moment or even if you sort of go down the money board approach where you can you can make up for him in terms of the stats in the aggregate you know you can spread out Jack's levels over two or three players but of course we saw between Jack getting injured and one or two players in the middle of the park especially you know your likes of Louise I think McGinn had a bit of a dip at that point as well Barkley obviously his form just vanished and then you had you know you sort of Sans- Sanson and Ramsey didn't quite step up so we didn't have anybody who kind of raised their game through the same period which really we, we that's going to be a big thing for next season yeah but I mean we've got players uh coming to the f- four more as uh let's say I think I, we we said in the patron one of the patron pods that uh, this concept of match winners which uh, I think it was an interview f- uh, from the 1982 European Cup win against Bayern Munich where I think it was a player said you know we went into that game Bayern Munich were you know a fantastic team and, and a better team than us but we had like three or four match winners and and you know we're talking about Peter with Gary Shaw, Tony Morley, Dennis Mortimer, Sid Cowens. And that's what Villa lack now. I mean, if you class Grealish as a match winner, you could Watkins is now getting there in terms of reputation. But we need we do need like you know, three or four like legit ones. And you know, you can't really compare this team to that team because that team's on another level. It won the league. It's you know, it was the best in England, became the best in in Europe. So if you've got three or four match winners that as supporters you're confident on, if Grealish is missing, then you've still got your three or four match winners at the moment. If he's missing, Watkins becomes uh, he's kind of carrying the cross on his back and doing everything and isn't really allowed to concentrate on his role as the striker, you know, essentially the poacher. And then you, you, you end up relying on your sort of your Trezeguet, your Elgazis to step up, which to be fair, I mean, their stats suggest they did. I mean, they both had reasonably good goal returns for, for you know, for sort of wide players and compared to certainly the last probably the last decade for Villa where our wide players have not chipped in they actually did really well but you're just looking across you know across the team as you've said you're looking for that consistency in terms of who 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 are our bankers and you know and, and Jack's kind of the only one when he's fit and obviously Watkins I think is is becoming that someone like Martinez I think at the other end he you know, he can he can win you I I haven't, I haven't seen the stats but I'm sure it will get published you know how many points you know, Martinez you know won Villa or saved Villa and that's a big factor as well I mean, if you if you talk about match winners, you're normally talking about further up the field. But I think as a defence, we have the foundation, and that includes the goalkeeper, the foundation, very unit. a very good unit to have a perfect foundation that if we had three or four renowned people that dig you out in bad moments or uh, put the cherry on the top uh, to make sure you win games, three or four of those kind of players from the midfield upwards, then uh, we would have a, a serious, uh, would be a serious force. Yeah, yeah, just um, looking at it, I mean, this this season, I mean, as it sort of got past Christmas and our form dipped off, I thought to myself that, you know, it is a real missed opportunity. But just the way the last two games have went and pre-season has went, I mean, the reason it was a missed opportunity is because so many of these teams in and around us were in transition. Well, I mean, it's, it's come to pass that all these teams are even more in transition going into next season again. So the opportunity yeah. hasn't passed. It's still there. I mean, you have... You have Spurs, um, no manager Conte and Conte and them um, 
Everton, Gray, Everton Arsenal, um, Wolves, just all these teams that are in and about us. I mean, it's it shows that um, whenever Smith was talking about which team he wanted to sort of catch and emulate and overhaul, he, he aimed at Leicester. So he aimed at the fifth place team. He was immediately disregarding Spurs and Arsenal. He's going higher than that. He's going straight after yeah, Leicester. Yeah, because he, he said in a recent interview, uh, that, uh, that, well, this, this week, just gone, uh, that improving from 17th to 11th is easy compared to improving from 11th to like 6th or you know yeah. or higher because it's a higher caliber of teams and but we're getting into the interesting area and as, as Phil says these teams very much still in transition Arsenal don't know their ass from their elbow Spurs all over the place Everton thought they cracked the jackpot last at the start of this season as they were the team that actually kept us off top spot although we can only look at ourselves because if we got a draw against Leeds we would have gone top of the hmm. league Temporarily. And we took, we took, ultimately, we took four points off Everton again. Yeah, yeah, but Ancelotti's Ancelotti leaving has just pulled the rug out from beneath them completely. I mean, you can only yeah. they're they're in real trouble unless they get a, a big name in and he hits the game, ground running. Yeah, and West Ham were only only finished in sixth because of all these teams flunking around. I think Leeds. Uh, there's two ways of looking at Leeds. Either people adapt to them as we did in that second game. I mean, yeah. you have to take your hat off to Smith because. It, and, and uh, as we said on the podcast that dealt with that game, he had a real game plan to break their momentum at every opportunity, you know, even if it's just hoofing it into the stand. And it worked. And, and we came away from Ellen Road with the win. So that was good to see the Villa coaches have actually adapt because that defeat, I mean, that's the one that pissed me off the most. And I'm sure it pissed them off the most. And they were really, and, and the players as well. So they would have wanted to have uh, put an end to uh, that. And so that's that was a big credit, actually. Mm-hmm. That's an example of where you go. Oh, actually, yeah, they've got a plan now for for that for next season. And you look at—I mean, I was mentioned this uh, again in the Patreon podcasts—is you look at how how are you improving next season? Well, one of the things you look at Conza, you look at Louise, you look at Cash—all twenty-three years old. They've got a, you know another season where they've really come on in the last, let's say, year. Let's include the end of uh, you know the project restart. And they'll only be better next season because they, you know, they have the ability. That's uh, beyond the shadow of a doubt. So there's improvement there. Then we got the, you know, the band of, uh, you know, Grealish Traore's 25 as well. Ollie Watkins is 25. You know, McGinn's only 26. Target's 25. All those players, again, another season in the Premier League, they're all going to be better. So the experiencing, actually, it's not just, uh, you can't, you know, if, if somebody's 30 and you go, oh, they've got another season of a Premier League experience under the belt, that's not really improving them, is it? But the players at this age, they've got it. It is. Now, Grealish, if he plays more than 65% of the games, which Touchwood, he should do, that improves us straight away. Ollie Watkins cannot hit the post the same amount of times no. and, and have far decisions against ruling off his goals so there's a real potential for him to hit the 20 mark next season if also the midfield gets a bit more balance in it and maybe there's an acquisition there that actually starts providing him with ammunition and he doesn't actually constantly have to seek it out himself I think so I think it, 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 the, the, the big thing will be well the, the two themes of the summer are going to be a little bit of strength in depth and then a couple of cherries on top you need someone the, the, the big one for me is go and get a foil for Jack even if you can't get all the the other pieces of the puzzle that we're looking for, I think if we can go and get if we can get the number eight position right, which we did for the first six or seven games with Barkley, but then it just, you know, it kind of our consistency just fell away when he got injured. Although we did have the Christmas period, to be fair, or whether Jack moves inside and they find another winger. But I th- they're just looking for that foil for Jack. 
you're looking for consistency as well. Yeah, because I said, like, if we had that middle of the park man, like, if you, you want to speak numbers, number eight, and he, he was that good after like 10 games, you thought, actually, for inspiration, and, and, and you're hoping this guy's a kind of a leader figure, which you kind of need in our midfield, because it's, uh, there isn't anybody it's a bit like nice. Yes, yeah, nobody like Mings, for example, who takes it by the scruff of the neck and organizes it. But if we had some of those, then you want the kind of player on the level that people would say, "Oh, actually, uh, he would probably be a, a good captain." I mean, Grealish's thing as captain is more—it's like the talisman, isn't it? It's lead by example. But if you had a number eight who was good enough to actually make supports think, "Well, actually, perhaps he should be the captain," then you know you've got the guy that Villa need. Yeah, and that's the, I think that's the key target. As much as we need, probably need a, a second striker to back Watkins up, I think the main first port of call is a number eight. Then it's probably a secondary striker. Then it's going to be a bit of depth. But I don't expect them well, to be mental. full full back depth. Yeah. I mean, I think they'll probably, if they bring Gilbert back and then you've got Kane Kessler, you've got Kane Kessler will probably come up, he'll get promoted up to third position. I think he did really well in the Youth Cup run. I think you're going to you're gonna have someone like Chuck Maweka will be involved in the matchday squad. Sanson a year on. So you've got a few guys who are going to come through, but you do need to improve that as well. You need, you know, it's all, it's all good and well having quantity, but you do need a bit of quality in there as well. You can't just look at the bench and go, we still haven't got a match winner. Let me put this question to you, uh, and this this is one of my concerns in terms of the recruitment this summer. It's like, as we've just said, we need this midfielder, and I think we need a striker, which we've been calling out for uh, a few seasons now. I mean, we needed him more the last couple of seasons, to be honest. Mm-hmm. And perhaps Callum Wilson was the one that got away. But in terms of this summer, there's two things that are uh, kind of preying on my mind. Is Let's start with the midfield man that we just pinpointed that we need they went out and bought Sanson and he was meant to be the, uh, the this summer's acquisition and as Grealish said in his, his interview after he signed his contract uh, you know he, he liked, liked the way Villa were going and they were getting players in and uh, he, he actually when he mentioned Sanson he said we've got Sanson in and hopefully he'll add bite to the midfield and he thought oh yeah actually if he's that's the type of player he is he's a bit more box to box then he's the guy but from what we've seen so far he seems a bit short of that aspiration and uh, that kind of need so what I'm saying is that might block us getting that that player that we need in because that he is the player that they thought would be the man to fill that job same as Wesley Right, Wesley's, yeah. Wesley's back now. Does that mean we won't get a, a striker that perhaps we need that's maybe a bit more dynamic because they've you know they've spent a good part of twenty million on Wesley and they're thinking right, well let's give him the season, see what he's got, so we won't get those two positions. I think I would expect someone to come in a step above Wesley. Wesley will remain on the bench, and you'd expect Davis to maybe drop down to your fourth choice striker. But I'd like to see Villa go and get a number two striker behind Watkins. Or even someone who is a genuine yeah, partner. Yeah, so, so would I. Needed. But will Villa do it? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm yeah, saying. Yeah, I think, Have, I think they'll, they'll definitely try to. Whether they, whether we can guarantee they will, I, I don't know. But I guarantee they will go out and get a number eight because I think they hmm. know that's what they really need. That's the, uh, the biggest priority. We're talking about this number eight, uh, this guaranteed, as you put it, uh, yeah. number eight. <laughs> where, where does uh, Wendia fit into this? Because uh, I think we're we are. In, in our discussion, they're talking about more of a, a box-to-box man, some, somebody who gives us a bit more steel in the in the park when he's obviously uh, playing a bit further up, whether he's playing wider. I think he'll play central, won't he, off Watkins? I think so. If Jack 
it depends how they see that combination. That'll be interesting. You know, come preseason, we might get to have a look at it, or you know, the first game, whenever that you know, whenever that's going to be. Um, Jack naturally lifts, sort of drifts towards the left. If he drifts inside, fair enough. I think they'll be looking for him to take the kind of what would have been the Barkley role. But in terms of he's going to be there to run the game, but he's not necessarily going to be a sort of box to box. I don't necessarily think that's his game. He's a little bit more creative, isn't he? Yeah, I mean, I think the way that that's going to pan out. Uh, once it's down, I think you're going to see a much more fluid attacking line from Villa. You're yeah. going to be seeing Buendia and Grealish swapping positions. You know, even dare, dare we say interchangeable? Yeah, in game. Yeah, and this is going to be our secret sauce in our attack. Fluid secret sauce. You've heard it here first. Buendia's secret going- sauce. <laughs> that's what's going to happen here we'll talk about him more uh, as I said at the start of the show in future podcasts in, in more depth here because uh, you know there's going to be other signings so we'll see how the midfield kind of shapes up but uh, I mean he, he, he had his criticism early on uh, from Daniel Fark when he was at uh, Norwich because he was saying sometimes there's a bit of a lack of effort there and there was concerns over his work rate and, and lack of goals as well I think when they're in the Premier League uh, he said I think this is at the point that they're playing 26 six games and Fark actually said uh, you know 26 games down he hasn't actually scored any goals yet I mean this is a player that was you know he's only 24 now so this is when he was 22 so he he was very much uh, learning at Norwich and uh, the good thing is he you know he took it on board and and he improved so it'd be interesting to see how his second stab at at the Premier League is because his stats were were really good in the Premier League even though Norwich were uh, pretty much a non-entity and you know were relegated swiftly yeah, and he was like head and shoulders above every, every other player, wasn't he, in the championship in terms of his, his output last year. Yeah, and to get into the Argentinian squad playing in the championships, a good achievement. Yeah. The interesting one, actually, for him, um, since his debut, no player in England's top two divisions has attempted more tackles than him, which is interesting yeah. for a creative player. It shows that, actually, while he's he's great on the ball, you know, his, his league assists are higher than De Bruyne and Alexander-Arnold since he first came in at Norwich but actually it shows he can get stuck in as well which you know you look at Barkley when we've laughed on numerous occasions he didn't even attempt tackles I know he's, he's, he's pretty tenacious uh, and that's what I like about him uh, you know even though Fark did uh, you know originally say there was concerns about his work rate and uh, losing the ball as well and sometimes uh, he lacks running in behind when you've seen what he's done uh, in the last season or so his movement off the ball is is very good and he does run in behind and he does yeah. he does you know he does get the ball he's he's almost like a, a dynamic uh, carlos hill he's you know in gets into those pockets and uh he, you know he's almost telepathic with pookie i mean their understanding was great and when you see that you think well if he can get the same with watkins this will be a revelation for watkins yeah cuz watkins isn't necessarily going to have to put in the the shifts is yeah it? the shifts he's going he's going to be like right get yourself in the box and or even if he if he drifts wide, Buendia is that player who will bomb on and get yeah. in the box, you know, which is kind of what we've lacked sometimes. And ultimately, it, it will lift the workload from Jack. Ultimately, yeah, I remember just you know watching Watkins when he was in his final season at Brentford. A lot of his goals were were coming, you know, because he scored over twenty goals, edge of the uh, six yard box. Now he doesn't really get it served up on a plate that much at Villa. And I think this is, uh, he, instead of running the channels and doing a lot of uh, the work, he will be able to uh, have chances created, which all he has to do is get on the end off. So, uh, you know, hopefully Buendia brings that. But uh, this is the thing. Does the purchase of him for the midfields, uh, does that 
close out getting another man in for this uh, role that we're talking about because I think, as you said, Gr- Grealish needs a foil, and I think this is this will be his foil, so to speak. Yeah, I think I think this one was the the the, the big target. Um, the fact that they've moved so quickly on it would suggest that they've been planning this one for a while. Um, oh yeah, no, they've they've been tracking him. But what, but what we're talking about is what we've just said in the podcast about uh, you know this. Uh, I guarantee that you'll get a number. We will get a number eight. Yeah. So do you think there's still room to get another proper yeah. midfielder in? Because how are we squeezing all these players in? Because you know what's going to happen to Louise? What's going to happen to Nakambo? You know, even McGinn. I mean, there's obviously there's rumor of someone like a Ward Prowse who's a different player to to Buendia. He would play deeper, and I, I do wonder if someone like him again might be looking over his shoulder, thinking, "Hang on a minute, like my place isn't guaranteed." All of a sudden, now I'm not one of the first names on the team sheet. Which I mean, ultimately, we do need healthy competition. But I think if you're someone like uh, maybe a Sanson or a Ramsey, um, you're yeah. looking at it going, I'm getting a bit far down the pecking order here. Because, you know, Sanson was going to be signed this winter originally. Yeah, I think we're talking, uh, we will be playing with more than just uh, that first 11. I think there'll be more of, uh, you know, utilizing 13, 14 players regularly. Because I think so. there will be a lot more depth there. And also maybe the potential to um, either shuffle our pack in terms of personnel, but also maybe slot plays into maybe one of two or maybe three systems. Yeah. Bearing in mind, of course, we're still going to have Horahan coming back for pre-season. I mean, I think he will ultimately end up no, out he's the door, off. But he's off. There's no way he comes back. Uh, he probably wouldn't even get after, on the bench, frankly. After being shipped out last season, when we weren't as strong in midfield as we're going to be, uh, if it wasn't working then, it's not going to work. No. I mean, uh, I mean, I think it is very much a level leveling up process um, in terms of maybe another midfielder, possibly, possibly a player in the forward line. I think the fact that Wendier can get involved probably means he'll want to continue playing one up front and then have attacking players get involved around him. When you factor yeah. in, you know, Traore a year a year on a more developed, El Ghazi a year on a more developed, and maybe Trezor Gay when he's back. Who knows when that will be, but um, it is a good... Yeah, and obviously there's, there's been a little bit to talk of Pereira from West Brom. I'm sure he won't be playing at West Brom next year, but again, it's... it's it's Are these guys, as we say, are they bankers at the level we want to be at? It's Yeah, that's the thing. I, I still think, you know, with with uh, with Avery Shakespeare... Um, the head of recruitment, Rob McKenzie, and obviously with the analytics guys behind the scenes, I would expect for us to all have a head scratcher at some point over the summer and go, oh, wow, who's that? And I, ho- and I hope we do, you know. But it, Smith did drop that line that he was excited about our targets and supporters will be too. Oh, hopefully. So that means we know who they are. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Which is a start. I mean, I'd love, to, I'd love us to have another moment where we, you know, where we all sort of reacted to, to Barkley, where we just go, fucking hell, wow, we went and got him. Yeah. Like, someone who we just never thought we'd get. You think that that would be a great statement? And to make a couple of extra statements would be great moving forward. And as, yeah. as, as we said at the time, it was, it's been a long time since we got that kind of marquee signing where we thought, yep. hey, here we go. You know, the kind of signing that suddenly adds season ticket sales onto the, uh, the, the balance sheet. Uh, yeah. It's not like Tom. It's not Tom Cleverly, for example. No, like I said earlier, if City are releasing Fernandinho, there, there he is, free agent, <laughs> and he's experienced. Yeah, and he, you can learn from him. <laughs> the Bordeaux player uh, is it left back Zer Kane? I think yeah, I think he's a wide player. There was, I mean, I think we'll, we'll definitely go and get a left back of, at some at some level. I don't think we'll necessarily go out and get a box office one. I think that'll probably be more of a. Yeah, I think fullbacks. I think it'll be young with upside. That's uh, yeah. where we'll go there. If and maybe if uh, Freddie Gilbert is up for uh, next season, Competing. then that will probably be the right back sorted out. And yeah, then, so. especially with Kessler, obviously he's coming through. Yeah, so we await to see. Right uh, before we uh, 
leave you. I just want to say thank you very much for the Myoman Sub patrons, as always, for supporting the show. We've just finished uh, about four hours recording shows uh, just to catch up on a few things. Uh, so there's a four part underrated or overrated of the 2020. 21 season squad there's also a couple of mad few sessions and uh, a bunch of uh, other shows uh, coming your way as well and uh, we will be having uh, match club our uh, live match uh, get togethers we'll uh, we'll have a f- we'll see how the euros pans out i think in the group stages i kind of i might we might do the uh, group stages as uh, match club so uh, but anyway uh, please do uh, sign up and support the show and get access to uh, extra shows content but also you're joining the inner circle which is uh, the main thing uh, go to myomansaid.com and check out the links there oh and a big shout out to uh, chad jobin our latest uh, my Man said patron uh, also, you can sign up uh, annually and save uh, 15%, which is two free months. But uh, as I said, check out myomansaid.com and click on uh, the patron link on the menu bar. Uh, also, uh, please do follow the uh, the show on uh, whatever podcast app that you listen to, whether it's you know Spotify or Acast or Apple, etc. Because without regular matches, uh, it may be a little bit more random when we pop up. So it helps uh, get a notification when the show is live. Right? Any other last final comments? It's just nice going into a summer, nice and relaxed, isn't it? Yeah, with uh, looking ahead and hopefully looking towards uh, a brighter, a brighter time. Absolutely, and mm-hmm. looking upwards as well, which. Uh, yep. For the first time for, I mean, as I said at the start of the show, this is my old man said 10th year and it's probably the most positive uh, season yeah. we're going to start off in, in terms of being able to challenge. Yeah, it's nice to have sort of targets, teams that you'd want to reel in. So we've already reeled in Wolves and um, Palace teams that finished above us there. So now we're on to the next level and reel in your Arsenal, Spurs, higher, West Ham, Leicester. Yeah, I just want to be respected again as uh, the force that we used to be. You just, yeah, you just want to feel like your team's comp- genuinely competing. Yeah, because, you know, I never liked the idea that turning up, you know, is what it's all about. It's also about winning. And also, I, I don't like it when pundits, neutrals, etc. kind of like you because they don't see you as a threat. Yeah. I always think teams like Everton are viewed like that. Everyone respects Everton and Villa at the minute because whether we play really nice football, but we're not, we don't really see little old you as a threat yet. I want to go and beat all these fuckers. That's Manchester United, Man yeah. Liverpool's. I want to be beating them and making the pundits who support them cry live on TV. That's where I'm coming from, yeah. people. And on that note, <laughs> it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from them. Goodbye. Goodbye. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. 
And there it is. That's as good as it gets on this stage. Nissan Townstar EV strikes again. It's an unstoppable van. Unstoppable! No, just fantastic. You can actually see the ProPilot technology in action. Effortless parallel parking. It moves with all the confidence that comes with a five-year warranty. And with a bench full of all-star van experts, there's real strength in depth here. That's all-star quality. Search Nissan Townstar EV and visit your local all-star van centre to see for yourself. Terms and conditions apply. Five years or 100,000 miles, whichever comes first. ProPilot is an advanced driver assist technology. Driver's responsibility to stay alert, drive safely and control vehicle at all times. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.